0: Welcome to the Navigating Dental Insurance Podcast, where we don't take from insurance companies. Here are your hosts, Mr. Jordan Comstock and Mr. Ben Tuine.
1: Welcome everybody to another exciting episode of our Say No to PPO's podcast series. You know, uh, I don't know when we're going to end the Say No to PPO's podcast series, but we're still going to go. Uh, My name is Ben Tuine. I have our co-host Jordan Comstock on the phone with us. Hey, Jordan yo ben how you doing very very well thank you we have two frequent i should say repeat offenders of this podcast that our listeners actually <laughs> quite enjoy hearing from we have tessana barney and angela Catmule with us today hi. hello both of uh tessana i shouldn't say both of you hello Tessina, and hello angie <laughs> how are you
2: hello hi good
1: well i, I want doing? we're We're doing excellent, thank you. It's funny, because yeah. we're all located here in Utah. And I got a comment from another listener uh, last week. And this gentleman said, it is so refreshing to have a podcast where uh, it's not it's not the same guest that you hear on every podcast. yeah, and that's true. You get a lot of content on what your guests share. And uh, Tessana and both Tessina and Angie have been on our podcast a few times here. Um I wanna congratulate Tessina for appearing on Dental Economics. Congratulations for having your nice Tessina.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: So that so so just for the listeners to know, um, if you go to Dental Economics this month, February, um, my article there is featured on the front page there, but it really is. It was written by me, but the meat and potatoes of that article were provided by Tessena. Um, so just so you know, Tessa, and I, I didn't get paid to write that article. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of the I was
2: not worried kids. about that at all. It was just such an honor, uh, you know, and to begin with, that story was quite an accomplishment for me. And so that was quite an honor for you to do that article, uh, like I said, with the meat and the potatoes about that story. So that was Great. Whether you got commission or not, you know,
1: (laughs) I wasn't worried. We we do these things uh, as goodwill for the public and something that a lot of our listeners know um, about me personally is that when I do presentations and when I go around the country and teach doctors at events that people, the doctors pay other people to attend their meetings and I come in and offer an awesome presentation and I don't hold back. I give as much information as I can, and I've learned that from a good friend of mine, Gary Takis, who who also runs yeah. a successful podcast. And I think that's key for for people, for students that are coming out of dental school, you know, they they, they write their list of people that they learn from, and Tessana and Angie, you're on that list, so congratulations. Oh, thank nice. you. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you. So, so the purpose of this podcast is uh, Tessana and Angie had an idea of just getting together and chit-chatting about insurance, common insurance problems. So I'm going to I'm going to give a little introduction to that topic and then I'm going to let Jordan, my co-host here, go into the first topic. But in 2017, this has been a very interesting year where there's been a lot of changes in the insurance landscape. The most notable change has been Delta Premier and that being eliminated as an option for many practices throughout the United States. The state of Massachusetts is one that's been really hit oh, hard, yeah. you know. yeah. Jordan and I are dealing uh, we've with got the,
3: customers there. And... I know.
1: It's crazy. I mean, there's one doctor in particular that we're talking about. We won't mention his last name, but Dr. Mike, who's been emailing you and I about this issue and kind of feeling handcuffed. That's one issue. Another issue is um, a lot of the out-of-network benefits are changing in the industry. We're seeing practices where a patient would normally have 100% coverage at at, the, at what, the client's office who is not participating with insurance. And all of a sudden, the benefits have been reduced by 75%. And I'm not saying that to scare anybody into participation. I wow. think you should still hold your guns if you're running a fee-for-service office. But there are some major issues and changes in the industry that are making it difficult for doctors to navigate out-of-network waters. Um, and so part of our purpose here is to provide good education to help you along the way. But there are some things, some big things that we're doing in the industry today to help balance the scale. A good piece of news that I will give today, I, I received a, a, um, a text message from my good friend Kadir at ProCare. And for those of you, um, check out the ProCare interview that I did. I think it's, uh, I can't remember exactly what episode, but it was in, I think episode seven, uh,
3: seven or eight. I was so. What was it, seven, wow. Jordan? <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think it was seven, but um, I'll, look, I'll look at it now while okay. you're talking here, and, and then I can confirm that for you. So, so ProCare, in my belief, is one effort for us to
1: balance the scale. The problem with Delta Dental, for instance, and, and watch me get a lawsuit, watch me get a, a notice, a cease and desist <laughs> for saying this. Uh, the, the problem with, with Delta Dental is that traditionally doctors have, uh, even FIFa service doctors have participated with Delta Dental only. And that's given Delta the fuel to have an exclusive on the market. So what happens when you have a monopoly on the market? You can do whatever the H E double H well, I won't swear on this podcast. There are children. There are children that may be listening in, so I apologize. I'll edit that out. But they do whatever the heck they want. And you see in the state of Washington, two thousand twelve, I believe, it's a slash rates by fifteen percent for most, thirty percent for some. And then in the state of Massachusetts, where they've slashed rates by about 25% for a lot of the providers. So when you have a stronghold oh. over the market, the, the scale, the power tips in the favor of those who that have a monopoly on the market. They do whatever Absolutely. they want. And then what's the response from the doctors? So in Washington, there was no response from the doctors. You asked how many of you dropped Delta Dental. Nobody mm. did. I think only a handful of doctors did. But what did Delta do? When those doctors dropped Delta Dental, Delta wrote this... Um, nasty gram out to those uh, patients and said, this doctor is no longer a member and made it, made the patients feel like they had to find somebody else. So naturally, those doctors lost a lot of patients. In addition to that, Delta says, well, you cannot rejoin our network for one year. So, <laughs> Gosh. so you, couldn't, you couldn't test out a network and see if it worked for you because uh, Delta's goal was to really punish you and let you know that you made a big mistake and hope that you would beg to come back in a year.
3: In Massachusetts, man, all these, yeah. They, I was just going to say, all these regulations and policies, they drive me nuts, man. They do. <laughs> a lot it, of they do of red tape.
1: Well, in, in um, Massachusetts, they've doubled it if you decided to cancel the network or not renew with them by March 1st. You cannot join Delta Dental for two years, which means wow, you have to remain out of network for a two-year period with Delta Dental and likely lose a good majority of those patients. So ProCare this morning... Um, acquired 1.5 million patients, I think that's the text I got from Kadir this morning, was they acquired 1.5 million patients from an organization that has access to more than 20 million patients nationwide and has an affiliation with brokers that cover over 50 million patients nationwide. So in less than than four months, I know, less than four months, you have a dental plan that acquires a million and a half patients. When has that ever happened in the history of dental plan organizations? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's never been seen by Delta or any other never company heard out there. That, yeah. So, the, so our goal with, with, with um, helping ProCare get up their feet off the ground is to help them tip the scale of um, power away from the insurance carriers and put, putting that back into the hands of the dentist for yeah, one reason and one reason alone, and that's quality care. And we can have a, a conversation that'll last for five hours if we talked about that. but We want to dedicate... <laughs> those, episodes, yeah. <laughs>
3: those Those episodes... Sorry, Ben. Uh, those episodes are... Looks like seven and eight.
1: Yeah, listen. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Listen to episodes seven and eight. Listen... Uh, ProCare is... They're going to close their panel in March of 2017. So if you're not in network, there will be no other opportunity for you to join. Uh, and that's how serious they are about... Um rewarding the doctors that join in uh, early in their development. And I and I yeah. can fully say right now, I fully endorse them. I've I've vetted them out. Uh, but the whole concept in general is one that will balance the scale of power, which is what's missing in the industry right now. Um I, I I'm gonna agree with that. <laughs> it's we're nine we're almost nine minutes in. I'm gonna get off my soapbox because I want to dedicate <laughs> dedicate the next Uh, 20, 30 minutes to Tessina and Angie. So, Jordan, go ahead with the first topic there, and let's get them to educate our listeners about what they have to prepare. Yes, educate
3: us. Let's see. First topic we got is uh, billing office fees fees scheduled to insurance and to patient ledgers to show write-offs. What are the pros and cons of that?
2: So, um, Angie, did you want to talk
4: on this, or do you want me? I don't want to cut you off. (laughs) Well, there are two... Two ideas on this, and uh, there seems to be a lot that they bill the full fee to the insurance company, and they bill the insurance fees to the ledger for the patient's ledger, so that those are the correct amounts from um, that match the uh, fee schedule from the insurance company. So there's so, the There's also those that bill the insurance fees to the insurance company, which kind of defeats the purpose of being able to get paid higher fees from the insurance in the future. So, Tessna, what do you do in your office? So,
2: I definitely bill 100% of our office UCR fee to the insurance company. Um and actually an inflated fee really. <laughs> um, because I know that the insurance company is going to um knock down my revert, my reimbursement um <laughs> by what what would you guys say? Like thirty percent or something like twenty yeah. to thirty percent on some days. They're pretty at least crazy. 30. <laughs> so if I I was gonna yeah, say at
3: least thirty at least thirty two, yeah.
2: And if I need to get, if I need a reasonable amount for a procedure, then I know I've got to kind of inflate that and send that out to them, and then they will discount it down, and I might be able to break even, right? And this is a sick game that we even have to play. This
3: is ridiculous. Yeah, it sounds um, ridiculous.
2: <laughs> yeah, very ridiculous. But what offices are doing? They're just billing their contracted fee because they're going, well, what's the point? They're just that's what our contracted fee is. But if you call and ask right. for a fee increase, then they'll say, oh, but the, you don't need a fee increase. You don't get one because your
4: fees aren't higher than our contracted fee. Huh. Does that yeah, make correct. sense? So so they, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they, uh, they audit those and they look at those and that's how they base their fees or from the fees that we bill to them. Correct. And is
2: that, yep. Is that correct? Yeah. So that's that's problem number one is making sure that all offices really know and are really making sure that they're billing UCR fee or kind of an inflated UCR fee, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So the insurance companies can see the value in our numbers and they're not taking into account, you know, our lab costs and our, you know, all that for the so, I mean, we really do, we got to give them more realistic numbers. That's, that's problem number one. Problem number two that Angie was talking about is making sure that in the patient's ledger or account, whatever you want to call it, that it also shows that UCR fee so that when you get that EOB, you can show your insurance write-off, and then you can run a report in your practice management software showing what insurance companies, um, how much you're writing off for each insurance company, you can really evaluate, is this worth me keeping this contract with this company when I'm writing off this much, and here's my overhead cost, am I, am I breaking even, am I getting a profit, or am I just losing money here?
3: Yeah, no, that's, that's, that. that's a very good point. I, I remember I just was speaking to one of my customers a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me that his practice wrote off like $750,000 on uh, just yeah. write-offs with insurance. It's like uh, yeah. you probably you probably should talk to Ben. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, that, that's when that's a problem. And these PPO companies, right? These great companies um, are not are not helping our practices. We think that we have to be contracted with them so that we don't lose our patients, but we're losing our profit. We're losing our ability to provide quality care and Absolutely, see yeah. the patients and and treat them accordingly. I, I mean, we're just. We're we're thinking, you
3: know. <laughs> yeah, and when you when you have profit you, you can you can take better care of your patients, right? That's like I mean Oh yeah. Even in my company, I mean I'm not a dentist or anything, but my company when, when we're profitable we're able to take better care of our, our customers, you know. Yeah. So
2: and
3: Oh, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> I do
2: that. I, I sorry, I sometimes get over excited. I just didn't say <laughs> I promise you that the profit is not going to the doctor's boat. I don't know why everybody thinks that, but I promise. <laughs> Not those
3: insurance companies.
1: Yeah, they're they're yeah. In, in July to uh, July 29 2011 I think that's when this article came out. So this is uh, by CBS money watch if you google it google why your dentist costs so much
4: <laughs> <laughs> And
1: it's good for the public to know and I know most of the dentists out there I mean, this is how you defend yourself. Why does why does dentistry cost so much um, well, well, number one, uh, we have a lot of insurance administrative overhead that we have to deal with, and oh, it's yeah. a problem. Yeah. But dentistry costs costs a lot because it it, it costs seventy to eighty percent to run a dental practice. And really, what we're arguing mm-hmm. here is the quality care. And I'm going back to the question on which which um, fee should you bill? Should you should you put insurance fee or PPO fee? That's a common question. That doctors ask, what should I bill to insurance? I don't want to show my UCRs, my regular fees, because I just don't want to be dis- d- discouraged and disappointed at how much I'm writing off. But when uh, you yeah. really, when you really think about it, if you're not claiming that discount, I mean you have to educate the patients that a crown in Utah does cost $1000. It should cost yep. at least $1000. But oh, a lot yeah. of yeah. a lot of times doctors are billing out the $550 insurance and on the EOB all the patient sees is 550. So what does that do to the public? It tells the public that crowns cost 550.
3: Big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> it trains them to be yeah, it trains them to think that it's cheaper than it really is.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and it's really not. And you have to be able to evaluate if it's worth it to stay uh, as a provider on that insurance. If you're writing off all of your profit, if your adjustments are more than what your costs are, it's
1: no.
4: not bringing you in any money. It? No, it's, it's not. The-
1: right. Another, another right. thing I want to point out here is we talked about how, um, well, Tessa, you mentioned that uh, fee schedules, insurance fee schedules are at least 20, uh, 30%, 20 or 30%. Yeah. It, it is so funny because yeah. I, I read I read an article over the weekend where a fee for service doctor um, was saying that insurance requires them to discount their fees by uh, 5 to 10%. <laughs> Whoa. Um, that, that's not yeah. right, right? <laughs> so, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. F- um, lucky for that doctor, but that, that should tell you if your discounts are 5 to 10%, to me, that tells me that your fee, your standard office fees are low. They should, they should yeah. be going up, because if it's not at least a thirty percent discount, then your your standard fees are a little bit low. But, but another follow up question for both you, Tess, and Angie, is, what? Uh, how do you help doctors overcome the fear of billing their standard UCR? If they're afraid of billing it, how do you get them to overcome it? That is a
2: really good question. <laughs> but, you know, um, I told my doctor that this is a it's a requirement and that we've got to fill it out. And sometimes it helps, I think, with the patients when they do see that write-off and patients know, you know, that this is a cut that we're taking. Because I have patients that want a discount even though they have insurance. And I say, look, my crown's $1,000 and your insurance is writing off. 500 of that thousand, you know, like, Oh, 50%. I've, I'm only getting $500 in my crown. Where do I have room to give you a discount? I don't like, you know, um, it, it just helps. I think it, for patients to see that we are taking a discount because we're contracted with their insurance. And then when I run those reports for my doctor and we can look at these contracts, I have not successfully gotten him to cut any contract. <laughs> 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 that's it. That's the fear number two, right? Um, but that's that's another topic. But, um, yeah, just talking to him about the importance. And, and I'm kind of strong-headed. I don't know if you guys know that about me or not.
4: <laughs> not at all. But,
0: <laughs> not um, at
2: all. So, so, you know, when I go and I talk with him about the importance of this and that this is serious and this is how we need to build this out um, to be a successful practice and to know where our numbers are at, you know, he pretty much just took me seriously and said, "Okay, you're the boss on that. <laughs> That's not his area." Cool. Yeah, I believe no, you but I think in talking of... to your doc, oh, go ahead. What?
4: Well, you have to be aware of what reality is. You have yeah. to be able to evaluate what your real costs are in order to be yeah. successful. Just ignoring what the real costs are doesn't, <laughs> doesn't- right. isn't going to pay bills. Isn't going to pay your staff.
3: I, I agree with that. I'm big on on knowing knowing the numbers just in general, right? With whatever you're working on, whether it's your your fees or your your marketing strategy, just know your numbers um, and and perform a, a a break-even analysis. Really, it's 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 very simple math to figure out. You know when when an insurance company is is making you pay money essentially to, to, to be on exactly. their to be with them. Right. So, so just, yeah, know your numbers and, and understand your break even points. Uh, that's really what it boils down to in my mind.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I'm if an sure office manager is, go ahead. <laughs> no, if go the ahead. not the insurance companies that are running your practice, right? You want to be able to run your own practice and not have them dictate everything from your, about your practice right they I went agree. into business they yep. came to us because they wanted to right own a practice and that's part
1: of it i agree tessana your turn <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> so i didn't
2: say if it, i'm kind of going back to the question if an office manager is just concerned about how to go to her doctor and address this or he or she right office manager sorry um wanting to go to the doctor and and address this them, then, then Get the facts together, know your numbers, and doctors don't do a ton of business, but they know enough that if you come to them with numbers and saying this is why this is essential, this is where it's going to take us in the future. If we're tracking this, then we can know how to make the changes when you're ready to do it. Like I said, my doctor's not always on board and saying, "Oh yeah, I'll cut that contract and fear of losing patients," but at least we know right? We know, um, that that's a concerned insurance and we know that that's a problem insurance. I'm not going to say dental select, you know, but I'm going to say
1: another lawsuit throw in. that out Uh-oh. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I
2: know, I know we're going to get in so much trouble, but I'm just saying if we know that dental select is a problem, then we, we know that. And if we still want to see patients on it, then that's our decision. But at least we're aware and we can make um, adjustments like adding the material high tech act fee and things like that. We know what we need to do to to counter that situation. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So a good example is here in Utah. A good example about um, doctors billing PPO fee or HMO fee to the insurance rather than billing your standard fee. What has that done to the state of Utah, for instance? I've have I yeah. have verified data. That the reason why a lot of these communities, their fees are so low is because all they're billing to insurance is a low fee schedule to begin with. They're only billing the dental select fee schedule, for instance, or the EMI fee schedule. So rather than establishing data that shows that Crown should be in the $900 range to a $1,000 range, the mm-hmm. insurance carriers are receiving data that says, well, on the on the claim form, it says, <clears throat> doctor attests that this is their f- standard fee that they're billing and submitting and it's 550 or 490. So, so
3: go I, ahead. I got a comment real quick. So, what you're essentially saying, Ben, is is do insurance companies use the data they collect from all the offices against the offices? Does oh, that yeah. make sense? That, okay. That's oh, yeah. very interesting.
1: That is 100% the tr- the honest truth. And you see that yeah. even with Delta Dental. So, Delta Dental classic example, an insurance carrier that traditionally allows doctors to file fees and then they, they assign a reimbursement to that doctor based upon the fees that they submit. And this is not um, just the case in Utah, but everywhere in the country. So in Utah, um, a client of mine that would, would traditionally charge their standard fee in the 30th percentile, meaning 600 or $700 for all porcelain, all, porcelain, all ceramic crown, um, Delta Dental would mirror the discount for that doctor the same way they would a doctor that would file $1,000 on a crown. And this wow. is true even in Washington. I have I have clients in the state of Washington that um, they bought a practice and the previous owner was only charging $900 a crown in an area where they should be filing $1,300 for the same crown. Well, wow. the practices that are priced out at $1,300 a crown, and this is over the last five years are getting eleven hundred dollars in re- well maximum allowable from Delta Dental, while the nine hundred dollar crown office that this new doctor purchased is is at is at six hundred and fifty dollars for that same crown in the same zip code. And and you see okay. this across the board with insurance carriers is that they use any excuse they can to drive down fees. Um, so last resource I'll give here is if you have any questions on where your fees fees need to be, check out fairhealthconsumer.org. <laughs> And what I'll do is I'll post that website in our show notes so that everybody can see it. Don't have, to pull, it, don't it have to pull over and write it down. So it's fairhealthconsumer.org. Um, let's move on here. Um, Tessina and Angie, is there anything else that you want to add to this UCR usual customer and reasonable debate about whether to file your fee with insurance or the PPO fee? Anything else you want to add there?
2: I don't mm-hmm. have anything, Angie. Do you, I feel like we covered it.
4: well? Yeah, And just, just know that if you are billing the insurance fee to the insurance company, you are hurting all dentists.
3: That's right. Interesting. It's hurting not, all that, dentists. That's, yeah, not that's a good advice there. Not yeah. just yourself.
1: That's right. Um, I'm actually going to add one more oh, thing before we go on, on to the you. next. Jordan, if that's okay.
3: Um, that's fine, man. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I want to talk about you. So the dental benefit world is it better to show a patient a higher discount or a lower discount? And that's such a stupid question. I mean, <laughs> yeah. with, with dental benefit programs, is it, how do patients respond when they see a 20% discount versus a 30% discount? I mean, in your experience in building plans, um, you know, how, how does that work in, in, in the psychological aspect of patients moving forward
3: with treatment or purchasing certain things? So um i mean what i've seen is when when doctors show you know a a a discount that they're getting off benefit programs is you know oftentimes they end up purchasing whatever the the doctor is offering because they feel like they're getting a good deal um So, you know, having a membership program or or a benefit program, however you would like to call it, uh, definitely helps out with with that end of um, the spectrum. Does that make sense there, Ben? Did I answer your question?
1: Yeah, you did. You kind of led me into where I wanted to go with this is that um, you have to have a, a higher balanced standard fee schedule. Um, as, and the reason why you want to have it a little bit higher is because you need, you need that fee schedule for two things, in my opinion. Number one, as it relates to what we're talking about, is you want to claim a discount with the insurance. You don't want to give insurance that credit. Like Angie said, don't give insurance the opportunity to control your office. And if it is 30 or 40%, that's okay. You claim that discount and you claim that customer service aspect with the patient. Secondly, when you're building an uninsured patient base, it is much better... To show a bigger discount than it is to to show something that's a little bit smaller. Number one is patients will always complain about fees. If you charge two hundred dollars for a crown or a thousand dollars a crown, the complaint you is the good. same. Is <laughs> that right, everybody? Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure.
3: Yeah.
1: But when they see a thirty percent discount and a forty percent discount, think about that what that does psychologically for the patient. And I want you to go back to the last time you shopped for for a gift, work up against Valentine's Day, and we see at, at the factory outlets just up the street from where we're at, seventy percent off. And I know that's just total BS because Oh, they're marking it up yeah. and then and then and then discounting it, right? But as a consumer, you feel good about it, right? Oh, I feel great. I'm not paying full fee. Yeah. I am. Yeah, my paying wife's full so fee- always
3: like <laughs> We drove past that sign the other day, actually, Ben, and my wife's like, oh, there's a discount at Carter's or something for our our, – we get our daughter stuff there. And I'm like, oh, boy, it's not really a discount. (laughs) (laughs) It's an inflated discount. It's an inflated discount. And it's
2: no secret. Yeah, it's no secret. Everybody knows, but we all still buy the discounted stuff because it just makes us feel good, like
1: Ben was saying. Absolutely.
3: (laughs) That's why why dental benefit programs work because they – they make the patient feel good when they're, when they're at time of purchase, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Have, having a big discount to the mind is the same thing my mind does to me when I buy vegetables and put them in my fridge and they go rotten. I still feel <laughs> good just at the fact that I bought them and put them I in got there. A 30, I got 30% <laughs> off those vegetables. I know. <laughs> but I didn't but, eat them. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on All to right. the second thing here, Jordan.
3: Yeah, let's see. I got here on my topic list. Okay, so know your, cl- know your clearinghouse rules and be familiar with the reports is, is our next topic. Um, guys, tell me what you think on that topic. Did I read that right?
2: <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, yeah. Angie, one thing that we were talking about when we had gotten together is, uh, you know, you've gone in and done help, you know, offices clean up some stuff and you found um, in the clearinghouse reports and uh, we know it, we say everything's red. But um, I thought maybe you want to talk about that for a second.
4: Right. Um, I've found several offices and stuff that they don't go in and read the reports and stuff that come back from their clearinghouse. A clearinghouse does that first validation of that form and can tell you about... Uh, an error or something missing on the claim form, like the next day or within hours, and can tell you when those can get corrected right away instead of waiting until those claims are 30, 60 days out, and then you're calling the insurance company to see what is wrong. So those can be addressed right away and eliminate, you know, I, I, I mm. you would be surprised at how many of those that I have seen that could have been caught, like within an hour or two, and fix that and send it on to the simple simple things um, a zip code is incorrect or an ID number is missing or a birth date is wrong just really simple things where it's just a typo error that that can be addressed right away so that's right. one main thing yeah
2: I and mean, we're talking about electronic um, submission Correct. here so anytime I mean everybody talks about human error but let's talk about computer error here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. We
3: can talk a lot about that. I know about everything computer what? error, <laughs> dealing with software. Yeah, yeah. Computers I mean, we are feel dumb. so.
4: <laughs> yeah, we feel so safe and secure,
2: thinking, "Oh, I sent it electronically. It must be perfect." But let me tell you, it is not. Um, when your are clearing houses, is, is literally like grabbing an image of the claim out of your software and then puts it into their software and then sends it out to the insurance company. But when it grabs that image, it can sometimes grab it incorrectly. So mine even, Angie, I think you would say, some of them come back an hour later, but a lot of them can come back immediately. When I submit it, I wait for it to load, and it'll pop up in red, and it'll say it's missing a date of birth or it's missing an address. Right. I mean. But there's got to be, I mean, at least three every time that I do a batch, you know, of claims, at least three, you know, each time. So we're talking about um, if you're running these all day long or once a day, three a day, and you're not looking at these or catching these until 60 days later, how many claims are we talking about that weren't even like you don't have the date of birth, the electronic image just didn't capture it. Right. And it is such right. an easy right. fix. You can fix it right within your clearinghouse data and open it up and say, nope, here's the data burst. please resend it. And it will resend it immediately rather than at your 60 days. So that's a huge issue. Yeah. I have a question
1: about this. <clears throat> so let's say you submit the batch the first time around and the claim doesn't get sent through. Do you get charged twice from the clearinghouse for sending the claim Probably. again?
2: You know, I um, have unlimited claim no. submission. So... Yeah. No,
3: it depends Most of on your are service. Are
4: yeah. And when I have, I've asked that question, stuff to a couple of different clearinghouses. And if it is something that didn't come through the first time, it there is not an additional fee for that. But you've got to figure if you wait 60 days and then you're having to fix something. Then it is. Limited, yeah. What if if you're paying per claim? That's an additional claim.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. Plus, wow. right. So yeah. find
4: those first. Plus, the longer the claim is open the less likely you are to get paid and it, the more it costs you to collect that money
1: so how common it is them this right away yeah
4: and do electronic for yeah. sake. So I, 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 i'm surprised i'm on the yuhin board and their whole process UHIN is the utah health insurance network they're Premises to get everybody to do electronic claims. I am shocked at how many offices do not use the electronic services too And they still and I still mail some claims, you know in offices You know where you and have I, to attach things and I like to attach a
3: paper Are, um, are these so kind of
4: old school and I know I've got it <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so,
3: so are these clearing houses are they run by the insurance companies? I know nothing about this So educate me a little bit on there <laughs>
4: um no so a clearing house is a is a like a third party that to send it to an insurance company so it's it's a third party
3: it's a third party to send to a third party (laughs) pretty much yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay all right that makes better sense now (laughs) we
4: need eight middle people and right to do one thing
1: yeah
3: (laughs) yeah all
4: the the red tape tape in order to get one thing done
3: i know yeah that's complicated (laughs) yeah
1: going back to what you said angie about some offices um, not using uh, electronic billing services just to make you feel better. I do have some clients that are all paper charts and uh, I do get, whenever they send me things, it's Fred Fred Flintstone delivering it to me, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and that's another conversation that we can have for another day. Those offices just need to get updated. (laughs) They they don't like use a practice management software. Is that what you're saying, Ben? Uh, They do. But it's like the oh. old Kodak version of 1980 something, that hasn't been updated <laughs> <Yeah>. for years. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. It,
4: it is so much more efficient. <laughs> and and I from those days, right? Before we all used computers, we used headboards.
3: I know. Oh, I grew yeah. up. I
4: grew up using computers,
3: Wade. so. <laughs> yep,
1: yep. I don't know a day but, without computers.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Well, this has been. It's been
4: our- yeah.
1: It's a okay. lifesaver. I mean, uh, this this a piece of advice here, and I'm assuming that this clear these clearinghouse issues happen quite a bit, wouldn't you say, Tessina and Angie? Oh yeah.
2: hmm Yeah.
1: And how often would a doctor be aware that these problems are having or that a clearinghouse issue may be causing a lot of these claims not being paid within thirty to sixty days?
2: So every clearinghouse has a section where you can go and look at the claims that you've sent and it'll notify you if there was any errors. That's what we were talking about is you can go in and change them right away, but people aren't looking at them. That's the thing is that so if you send it out and you just don't look at it ever again, you just think we're good. I sent it.
0: Hmm. You've
2: got to go and follow up on that section or that report that shows you which ones have errors and make sure you correct
4: them right away.
1: That is yeah. awesome piece of advice. Well,
4: and so you send them through the clearinghouse, and the clearinghouse itself has this validation where they're looking for specific things and stuff that are, are there, and they will come back and they will fail. There, there's also another validation from once they go from the clearinghouse to the insurance company, mm-hmm. where there's due a validation also. Mm-hmm. So maybe where an ID number is incorrect, the clearinghouse wouldn't know if it was an incorrect ID number, but they would know if it was missing. Does that make sense? So, but yeah. the insurance company, once it comes into them, there's a validation there. So that's a second place that those reports are not getting looked at either. So multiple places that you could check those and address them right away instead of waiting again until it's 30, 60 days out whenever you run, you know, your outstanding claim report, if that makes sense. So there's a couple of places that each one of them have for you to go in and correct those right there through, like Tessna said, right through the clearinghouse. You can look at that claim and make the corrections right there so you're not even having to resubmit it through your software. Wow. Does that make sense?
3: Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. I'm still stuck on the idea of ha- having like a third party send to a third party. That just seems <laughs> that just seems funny. It just seems funny to me. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah. hire this third party to send to that third party and then they're gonna have a third yeah. party send it back to yeah. us. I'm just I had I that last <laughs> game, one. But, well, one third
1: yeah. party to send to another per- third party and the third party the last <laughs> third party sends the third claim party. back saying it's denied. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> oh, If you're
3: man. lucky enough
4: to get it back, right? That's <laughs> right. That's yeah.
3: I, yeah, it just seems funny to me. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm... and
4: it also it also checks too. The when we we call on insurance claims all the time, and insurance companies say that they don't have a claim, um, and yet they have to send a validation number in through the clearinghouse, so you can search through your clearinghouse and find that validation. Say, actually, you said here, right here, we have this. You have that claim. And you said that you had that claim. Yeah. Right? What yeah. I mean, Tessna, you've dealt with that plenty of times. Oh, we don't have a claim. No claim on file, no claim on file. Yeah,
2: well, and that's the thing <laughs> yeah. is they will, you've gotta press people a little bit. I was trying to, you know, I got a gal that was helping me call on some of these and she would call and she goes, oh, they said they didn't have it, so I hung up. I said, you gotta call back. Well, I waited on hold for two hours. It's yeah, because they have it, but you got. So you, they say, oh, we don't have that criminal file. You say you need to look again because you do have it. Like Andrew was saying, I've got this yep. validation number here from my clearinghouse, and then they start digging, right? And then they go, oh yeah, oh, here it yeah. is.
4: Oh, oh yeah, look at that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey, and then yeah. you're like, so why isn't it getting processed? And they'll go, oh, I don't know, that's weird. Let me send this over. I mean, it's weird. It, it is, is a weird. game,
1: guys. Hey, Jordan, are you ready for it another lawsuit? Like a... I'm going to say something that's going to get us another lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so... yeah. Let's do that. Let's do this. I'll, I'll go down with you, Ben. All right. We'll all go down all right. with you. Ben. Hey, I've been doing this for about 10 years. I still have not been taken down. <laughs> you know, it's... Nice. So nice. y- here is something that I have proof. I have proof and evidence. I'm not going to name the insurance company, but I mentioned this before in my talks. That uh, the insurance, uh, the supervisors or the claims department typically script and tell people at the front, when somebody calls in on a claim, we have so much work to do, just deflect, tell them that we haven't received it, and force them to, force them to resubmit. And what we do on the claims <laughs> end side is, uh, if there's no issue, then we'll just go ahead and delete the claim and have them, have them resubmit the claim so that we can buy some time to pay it. Do you know that if an insurance <laughs> carrier is holding on to two hundred million dollars? worth of claims money that they haven't sent out to dental practices. One month's of interest alone is a mini fortune for somebody. And that's one of the reasons why they don't pay Mm -hmm. these claims. Another lawsuit that I want to invite is another insurance. (laughs) (laughs) These insurance companies are not going to know which one to sue because (laughs) I guarantee all of them are probably doing the same thing. But another claims manager (laughs) that I know that's working for a large national insurance carrier says that they're, they're from time to time instructed to just delete, the, just shred the claims that if they're just oh backlogged God. and have too many people that are working, well, uh, not enough people working in a department, but too many claims to process, the only way they can get caught up is for them to eliminate the workload. And I'm not saying this to get any insurance carriers in trouble. Of course, oh, I, we
3: got too many claims. Yeah. No, I just burnt the rest. Yeah. Just burnt the rest. You know, we don't need the rest.
1: And, and, and I tell me, I, I mention these things when I'm speaking across the country, and people are like, well, that makes total sense. I totally believe that. <laughs> now, I'm I'm only mentioning that because that's what I hear through the grapevine. That's what I hear from people on the other side that are frustrated, receiving all kinds of complaints from medical and dental practices. But who knows what goes on on their end? But all we know on the dental side is right. you submit a claim and you just have to right. go through so much to get it paid. And it's just ridiculous, in my opinion.
2: <clears throat> yeah, Ben, I, I can back up a little bit <laughs> on some of that. I, uh, I've made a couple of friends over in the insurance um, companies just from calling them so many times a day. You know, you get the same person a couple of times. Um, and I can back you. I have gotten them off, you know, off record and <laughs> um, and have found out that A a lot of the same thing that they've been instructed to handle claims a certain way is to not pay them or deny them or shred them. So I I have heard that as well from my sources. Or delete them. Yep. Yeah, I accidentally hit
0: the feed. Or
3: burn them. Yeah. Whoops, I burned like yeah. half those claims back there. Sorry, my first day. My first day.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, for for the attorneys listening that want to know the full spelling of our names, I'll post it in the show notes so that you can uh, send the lawsuit <laughs> straight to us. No, no, this, this is good. No, we're we're fully protected by the largest law firm in the state of Utah. Just by FYI, um, and that's that. That's why when I get these lawsuits, I just hand them to the law firm. They laugh and they say this is just and a then, power play. It Didn't come from a judge. Laugh they laugh. I know. They shred them. I know exactly. <laughs> Shred it. I actually. They laugh and burn it. Yeah. We'll have we'll have a, a, yeah. a bonfire here in. the Lehigh. bonfire. Yeah. yeah. Let's have a
3: bonfire. <laughs> well,
1: hey. Yeah. We we gosh we went uh, ten minutes over time, but we only covered um two of the topics. Two of the it? topics. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> two of the five. So, two of the five that we talked about. But that's all right.
1: That's all right. Yeah. right. We'll, we're gonna have to reschedule to get you both on again to talk about the other topics. Um, But any oh, sure. a- any closing thoughts on the two items that we covered so far today, which is the first one, which was bill office fee schedule or insurance fee schedule, what's better? And then the second one was a clearinghouse issue and making sure that you're looking at those error reports every single day. Any closing thoughts, Tessina and Angie? Well, I
4: could just say ignorance and- is not bliss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ignorance I agree. is not
4: bliss. And not knowing what's going on, right, doesn't make it –
3: not happen. You, you need to be aware. Doctors need
2: to be aware of what's going on in their office. Yep. I yeah. Um, utilize your software, all of your softwares, your third party softwares, right? Even practice management software. Utilize those tools. So if you don't know what you're, you don't know, call your clearinghouse, call your practice management software and say, how do I do this? Or how do I even utilize this to the best of my ability? What tools on here am I not using? And, and dig right. deep, find out what that is. And, um, and it'll make your life a lot easier. You'll you'll you know, produce a lot better.
1: Perfect.
3: Jordan, any closing yeah, thoughts? Thanks. Um <laughs> No, I'm I'm still stuck in that sending third parties to third parties <laughs> thing. That's 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 all I have going in my mind right now. I'm like, man, that just seems so inefficient. You know what, Jordan? Yeah. Next
1: time next time I send you a piece of mail, I'm going to send it to FedEx and have FedEx send it to UPS and then yeah. send that to the U.S. Postal Services and then they'll deliver it to you. And that'll make you yeah. feel so much better about this concept because that's exactly what's going on here, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. Send me yeah. a letter and then we'll see how long it takes and see how efficient it is, you know. You know,
2: and it's so weird because, my- Jordan, I never... I never thought it was weird until you mentioned that it was weird, and I'm like, yeah, actually it is. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, I, I guess I have the ability to bring uh, really weird things up to light, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you just do it for so long that it just seems normal, but no, it's not normal. That it's not. Your job now, Jordan, is to come up with a way to streamline this process.
3: I've I have actually thought of that in in the past, and and uh, I'll have to work with my team here to figure out if we can do something.
1: You know, that's, you know, yeah, Jordan, yeah, perfect guy to ask. He's in the tech yep. world. Yep.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Maybe we'll figure it out together.
3: Well, cool. Well, do it.
1: <laughs> so for the listeners, we are going to reschedule. Uh, Episode number two. Actually, this is episode nineteen. So episode twenty or twenty one, we'll have Tesna back along with Angie. I know we've already. I mean, I'm we've been crazy. up and running just for a couple months. Um, yeah. But we'll reschedule the next episode and we'll post that as soon as we get it recorded. But Tesna and Angie, thank you so much for your time today. It always has been just a fun, fun time chatting with both of yes. you on our podcast. So I appreciate you both. It really is. Great. Thank, thank you. you, Ben. Thank you, Thanks, Jordan. You both, Thank you. you both have a great day. We'll post your uh, contact info if, if listeners have questions and want to reach out to you directly. And and just so the listeners know, both Tessina and Angie are our top two dental consultants uh, with regards mainly on the insurance side. We use uh, Tessina quite a bit for feedback regarding clients, client information. And we're looking to add uh, Angie into that as well and referring clients to her here locally. And um, so so just FYI nationwide, they're both very qualified candidates to help you in different areas of the practice. Not only that has to do with insurance, but just management in general and, and understanding how to be a good leader and understanding the good the different processes that go on in the dental practice. I can't think of two better people that work in dentistry um, that can help solve problems so thank you both again for being on the show and we look forward to having yes, you thank in you. the next uh, the very next episode i hope
4: <laughs> yes thank you great thank you so much
1: and that's it folks we'd like to thank you the listener for making this podcast happen we are a young podcast but we are growing at a fast rate in three months alone we've captured over twenty thousand listeners and our support is growing day by day One way that you can show your support for our podcast is to simply tell a friend about us. If there is an episode that you enjoyed, feel free to share it. Also, if there is a certain insurance-related topic that we haven't covered just yet, we'd love to hear about that. Please email us and send us a request at help at veritasdentalresources.com. Veritas is spelled V as in Victor, E-R-I-T as in Tom, A S. Help at VeritasDental Resources.com and we'll make sure to include that request in our next and future episodes. Again, thank you for your support and we wish you the best of success.
0: Dancing in the moonlight, everybody feeling warm and bright. It's such a-